Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hello there. Welcome to today's program, Collaborative Problem Solving at School. Glad you were able to join in either live or um, by listening to the recording of the program. Today is our first program of the year with our good friends at Anytown High School. And there's only one problem with that. Um, they're having troubles with their telephone. And so they will be calling in by some methodology uh, soon, I'm told. Uh, but in the meantime, we are winging it here on Collaborative Problem Solving at School. Uh, they have called. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I think they have called. You know, I got a new switchboard here, too, so there are many novel things happening at the moment, but let me just take a look and see if, indeed, it is the folks at Anytown High School who are on the air. I have absolutely no idea, but um, I'm about to find out. Let's see. Are you calling from Anytown High School? Area no. code 704? No. Are you calling to participate in the program? I am, absolutely. Outstanding. So let's talk to you and tell the folks that any – you've saved the day, by the way. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I have my cape on. <laughs> <laughs> so I see that the folks at any town are calling in, but we're going to take your call anyways and, and okay. um, since you called in. So what's on okay. mind? We have a 12-year-old boy, um, and he's been diagnosed in different – settings, subsettings as either ODD or with a combination of ADHD. Um, and it's been very challenging. It probably sprung up um, about a year ago, April, um, when he was just leaving the fifth grade and getting ready to enter the sixth grade. Um, and the way it manifested itself was he wanted to kind of refuse to do homework uh, was completely defiant in that capacity, which then turned into when he didn't do his homework, he would then become truant because he would get called out in class as having not done his homework um, or just being reprimanded. Um, and as a result, um, his grades started to slip. He got caught behind, couldn't catch up. And then that rotated over into sixth grade when he transitioned from elementary school to middle school with a fairly turbulent summer in terms of kind of his uh, outbursts and 
of aggression towards his little brother um, and things like that. But then what it really did was in sixth grade, it turned into kind of a full-blown, he never really got off the starting block and kind of got swallowed up by school. Um, so he ended up, uh, we ended up pulling him actually out of school um, like the last, month and a half of sixth grade because we knew that he was not going to pass. And we ended up actually sending him to a wilderness facility um, called Sue's, which is down here in the well, don't, Carolinas. Okay, don't don't use any names of facilities, but that's okay. Oh, I'm sorry, okay. Uh, no worries. Uh, we ended up sending him to a wilderness camp for almost a full month. Uh, and then he came back and um we went through kind of a secondary learning facility to get him through sixth grade and then turned around and put him in seventh grade and he's in seventh grade now, but the same problems are occurring. Um, and, you know, we came across your program and kind of went through the ALSUP and what, what kind of our fundamental diagnosis of this is up front is that he definitely suffers from the, transition issue in terms of moving from a school-based environment where it's laid out for him, he's doing very specific things, then to a home environment where there's a period of downtime, um, and then going back into a kind of a secondary school environment where he's supposed to be doing homework. Um, And we can't get him to follow into that process. And as a result, it's precipitating itself in exactly the same manifested problems, which is he gets left behind, he doesn't turn in assignments, and the grades slip, and nothing happens. Um, And what his issue is, is he'll just say, I'm very tired, I can't do it right now, and he'll delay, 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 and without trying to, you know, poke at him to provoke him because that doesn't really work, he says, I'll get up in the morning and do it, and then wants to start at 5.30 in the morning, um, and then, you know, gets up at 5.30, he's just exhausted. So I, my question for you is after that discussion is, um, you know, what's the starting point for a plan B discussion with a child like that where clearly you can see that the lack of fundamental problem-solving skills and um, think critical thinking are causing this, lag factor, which is ultimately, you know, burying him. Well, um, here's my dilemma. I'd like to answer your question in great detail. But your question seems a little bit more appropriate for the program I do for parents. Okay. Which airs at 11 a.m. You're in the Eastern Time Zone. 11 a.m. tomorrow morning. Okay. Now let me ask you this: Are you able to call in at 11 a.m. tomorrow morning? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a different phone number, okay. um, and I don't have the different phone number handy, but I assume you found this program through the Lives in the Balance website. I did. Um, you'll if you go to the uh, Parenting Challenging Kids program, you'll find the number for tomorrow's program. And the only reason I'm doing this because, I, and I feel terrible about it because. You're looking for answers, and you called into the program looking for help. But I've got 
um, the folks at Anytown High School standing by because sure. today is their I, program. I understand. Yep. And so while I hate to put you off for about approximately 20 hours, um, your, the answer to your question is going to requ- is something I want to actually spend a fair amount of time on. Okay. If you call at 11 a.m. tomorrow, Eastern Time, you will go first – and okay. um, I, I might have you repeat some of what you, a lot of what you said, so that people who are listening to that program, I tend to have different listeners to different programs, so that people uh, who listen to that program can get all the background information, and then we will spend as much of the 45 minutes of tomorrow's program as we need, um, responding in great detail to your question. I fear that if I try to do it today briefly, I won't do it justice. So would that be okay? You know, that's perfect, and, and I'm sorry I co-opted your different programming. Truth is, you, you saved the day because the folks from any town <laughs> called in right after you, but I'm going to I'm gonna um, put your heroics off until tomorrow. Okay, can I ask one really that's brief okay. question? Of course. Before I hang up, um, is, did I explain my situation in enough detail to kind of get something out of it? You did, and if I need any okay. additional information, I promise you I'll ask. Okay, great. 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 Well, thank you very Talk much. To you tomorrow. I will, I, will, I will call you tomorrow morning on the uh, on the number. Fantastic. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, sir. Bye. Bye. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing back tomorrow. That sounds like an interesting one, and um, perhaps a good example of how we really need to tailor the intervention to what's really going on. Um, But I look forward to talking more about that tomorrow. Those of you who normally listen to this program, if you want to hear the answer, well, you'll have to listen to tomorrow's program, Parenting Challenging Kids. In the meantime, it looks like the folks at Anytown have their technology issues squared away. I'm about to find out. Anytown High School, you are on the air. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. You guys are coming through loud and clear. I'm glad that it worked out. Are you? Did you get your technology issues squared away? We sure did. Excellent. So, um, you know, I know that we have um, some new staff this year, and um, you want to fill us in on where you all are at with collaborative problem solving. You guys had nine sessions last year, and we're kind enough to let our listeners sit in on listen on all of them, which is a tremendous favor that you're doing. Tell us where you're at at this point in the school year. What's going on? I would say we're in a transition right now, Dr. Green. This is Marisol speaking. Um, we have had some changes to the core group, and um, these were key changes um, because these are – individuals that are going to be working very, very closely with um, students, and so we really felt that they were really important people to have on this team. And so at this point, you know, I would say that we are um, not starting over, but definitely ensuring that we're all on the same page. And so, you know, that's going to be the first step is making sure that all of us are um, – understanding what we're trying to do as a school, and then um, hopefully um, make an action plan and then, you know, move forward. So it's a transitional phase right now. All right. And 
the the key thing that I heard was you're looking to get everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. How are you right. doing that? Well, this was the first step, is having those new individuals um, be a part of this team, um, ensure that they were familiar with your book, Lost at School, with the collaborative problem-solving um, <clears throat> approach, and, um, and really just begin to have the conversation about the language and um, making sure that all of us are clear on what that's about. Got it. And how has that part gone, or are you in the midst of that? We are in the midst of that. And any problems arising as people are orienting themselves to the model? I would say no, but we have some of the you know the the new staff um, joining us, and um, I, I I don't think that it's been an issue. Do the new staff want to um, tell us their pseudonyms and roles in the building? My name is Jen. I'm a career counselor. I'm Kim. I'm a case manager. I'm Georgina. I'm a school counselor. And And we we shall... Sorry, go ahead. That's the new, those are the new staff that have joined the team. Got it. And so we shall call them the few and the chosen, I suppose. How, how do you all feel about being the few and the chosen? Very good. I'm excited to be working with you, Plan B. Good. What are your initial reactions to collaborative problem solving if you didn't have familiarity with it already. Initially, I, I thought it was, I think it's a great program. It's getting used to having those type of conversations with the kids that I'm still working on personally, but I really like it. So conceptually, no worries. No. Uh, in terms of actual implementation, and by the way, if it makes you feel any better, that is usually the hard part. Okay. How about our others? I think this is a very supportive program to what we have to do, and it also helps us to problem solve some of our issues that we have to do day to day. I'm just Good. hearing um, the conversation you had with that um, gentleman on the um, phone. Uh, it sort of gives me some insight into where you're going and what the old premise is. Good. How about our I third feel, new member? I feel that it's a different way of thinking, a, a way that really helps you be able to understand the child and just sort of get to know why they're struggling and where they're struggling just so that you can just sort of feel feel for them in a way and sort of help them in a more healthy sense. Good. So, um, so far, our three new members of the core group are sort of conceptually, sounds like we're in the right place. Not that there is a right or wrong place, by the way, for our listeners who are 
forming core groups. It's actually sometimes useful to have people in the core group. In fact, I shouldn't say sometimes. It is it is desirable to have um, people in the core group who are not necessarily um, completely in line with the collaborative problem-solving um, conceptualization of challenging behavior, and that, of course, is that challenging kids are lacking crucial cognitive skills and exhibit challenging behavior when skills they are lacking are being demanded by the environment. And that, of course, is a rather different take on things than thinking of them as manipulative, attention-seeking, coercive, unmotivated, limit-testing, coming from bad families, having problems we can't help them overcome, so on and so forth. So the first thing collaborative problem-solving, of course, brings to the table is new, fresh lenses. And lenses, quite frankly, that permit us to actually help. There are so many things we can say about challenging students that actually cause us to become paralyzed in our efforts to help because so often we spend our time talking about things about which we can do nothing. And, of course, what we want to spend our time talking about is things about which we can do something, and that's lagging skills, unsolved problems, which are the specific conditions in which uh, kids lagging skills are being demanded by the environment. Some people call them antecedents. Some people call them triggers. I think unsolved problems is preferable because it tells us a great deal about what our role is in the life of this kid. We are problem solvers. Um, and so welcome uh, to the, not that, quite frankly, educators have always been problem solvers. It's just that that hasn't been a major point of emphasis in a lot of discipline programs and hasn't been a major focal point in a lot of the legislation that comes down the pike telling educators who they're supposed to be and what their priorities are. But you're in the problem-solving business um, when you're doing collaborative problem-solving. So I know that we've <laughs> lost some of our core group members. Who's, who do we still have with us? Uh, you have... Uh Jack, the principal. Was your name Jack last year? Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make the sure you're not switching pseudonyms. No, it's, it's the, the lost character. <laughs> okay. And, um, this is Lucy, the art teacher. Nice to have you back. Okay. We do have other members um, that are going to be in the core group. We, um, because of scheduling purposes, had a conflict with today, um, and so there are some members that will be here in the future but aren't currently here. Got Zina it. is going to be still with us, um, and she teaches uh, science. Um, we still have um, another administrator that will be with us. Um, <clears throat> we also have... Um, there will be um, the Tim, Tim, I think. Um, I'm trying to remember the pseudonyms from last year. Um, the other gentleman that will be with us this year is um, 
focuses a great deal on the behavior piece, um, and he will be with us, just isn't here today. There's also um, an English teacher, Robert, um, who will be joining us from last year as well, um, just unfortunately isn't here today. Got it. So maybe today we should focus primarily on our new core group members. What do you think? Sounds great. Now, new core group members, some questions for you. Um, do you have any questions, given what you know so far, about collaborative problem solving, either conceptually or in terms of what it has you doing or any other aspect of the model? What because one of the things we could do today, we, we keep this spontaneous on this program because um, we want this to replicate real life as much as possible. And the reality is, in real life, schools have transitions. Uh, staff come, staff go. Um, as hard as it is to get collaborative problem solving going in a building, once it is going an important task is to orient people, as, as in any other facility, by the way, but a very important task is to orient new staff to the school discipline program. And my understanding is that in many buildings that's actually an afterthought. And when we're implementing collaborative problem solving in a building, we are actually prioritizing uh, how we understand and deal with challenging kids. So this is anything but an afterthought. And we are prioritizing making sure that um, new staff are well-oriented to the model. So let me ask our new folks, any questions about any aspect of the model? If there aren't, what I'm going to do is perhaps, if you all need this or want this, do a quick run-through of the basics of the model as we would do with any new staff member. But let's start with our new members. Any questions here at the beginning? I should think that's um, quite appropriate for us as new members that we get a sort of an overview. I agree. Any other thoughts? I. I have a que I do have a question. I don't know if I'd like to ask it before or after the overview, but um, I've come to realize, you know, how to practice the model one on one with a student. But I'm wondering how that's going to work within the framework of my team, because we often meet with students in a team setting when issues arise or anything's going on. So I think I agree with you. Let's leave enough time for you to ask that before today's program is over. Any others? Let me give you an overview. Are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. There are a few assumptions in collaborative problem solving, a few uh, philosophical assumptions, if you will. The first is... Um, kids do well if they can, sort of the key mentality of the entire model. And kids do well if they can um, means that we believe that um, if a kid can do well, 
he will do well, that kids want to do well, and that if a kid isn't doing well, it isn't because he doesn't want to do well. It's because something else is getting in his way. And that's a huge piece of the lenses that we're going to be wearing. Um, because if we believe that a kid doesn't want to do well, whether this is a science project or working on a program on in math on the computer or turning in homework or conducting himself appropriately in class, if we believe that a student doesn't want to do those things well, then we will be pointed toward interventions aimed at making him want to do those things well. And those interventions typically and this makes perfect sense if you believe a kid doesn't want to do well, those interventions are generally aimed at giving kids the incentive to do well, and now we are on to rewarding behaviors that we like and want to see more of, punishing behaviors that we don't like and want to see less of. The problem, of course, is that if what's really getting in a student's way, what's really getting in the way of him doing well, isn't that he doesn't want to do well, but rather is that he's lacking the skills to do well, then incentivizing doing well is highly unlikely to work. Because incentivizing doing well, generally speaking, doesn't teach these kids the skills they're lacking and doesn't solve the problems, which are those specific situations in which skills are being demanded that a kid is lacking. In fact, in my experience, reward and punishment programs have the potential to make things worse, which is what happens under most instances in which an intervention is applied, whether this is psychosocial treatment or a disease that a child might have. Uh, if you apply an intervention that is ill-matched to what's really getting in a kid's way, excellent chance they'll get worse. The patient will get worse if we apply interventions that don't make a great deal of sense given what's really going on with a kid. So what direction does believing that this kid is lacking skills and has unsolved problems lead us to? Interventions aimed at uh, solving those problems uh, and doing it in a way that simultaneously teaches these kids the skills they're lacking. And that, I'm sorry to report, isn't what most school discipline programs are designed to do. And that may well explain why kids who access the school discipline program frequently access the school discipline program frequently. <laughs> the school discipline program isn't well-matched to what they really need. And by the way, I should put in a plug here. It's actually not a plug. Last week I did a, what I thought, I don't think every broadcast program that I do is good, but this one happened to be good. On the Lives in the Balance website, if you go to the, and this is for all of our listeners, you go to the What's New section of the Lives in the Balance website, at the very top of the page is a program I did last week on Minnesota Public Radio with a good friend of mine, Michael Thompson, Dr. Michael Thompson, um, talking about school discipline and how frequently it's ineffective um, and especially ineffective for the kids who are accessing the school discipline program the most. 
one of the things I like about public radio is they give me time to talk. I've almost stopped doing radio programs where you need to have your entire thinking condensed into a 30-second soundbite because collaborative problem-solving uh, isn't that simple and neither are challenging kids, and 30 seconds doesn't do it. But on public radio, um, as well as some other radio programs, they actually let you explain. And this is really a very um, good hour including having people calling in longing for the good old days when we used to suspend and expel kids frequently and use wood on their butts to try to give them the incentive to behave themselves. Uh, the point I made, of course, on the program was people aren't up in arms about uh, the different states in which suspension, expulsion, and corporal punishment is being overused because those things are working really well people are up in arms because those things are still extremely common and aren't working well at all. But just a plug for our listeners as well as for you all, if you want to hear an interesting hour-long discussion, me, Michael Thompson, and the host of the program on Minnesota Public Radio that we were on last week, just go to the What's New page of the Lives in the Balance website, and you will easily find the program at the top of the page. Now back to orienting our new core group members. Um. What that says is that um, if it's lagging skills and unsolved problems that are really what underlies behavior challenges in our students at school, then the first thing we need to do is identify in each of those students their lagging skills so that we have the right lenses on and their unsolved problems so that we know what we're working on. And the way we do that is by having a discussion with uh, the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems also on the Lives in the Balance website under the paperwork section as our discussion guide. And um, I think you all are using the updated version of the ALSUP, the one with the, the little arrows on the page. If you're not, that's downloadable from the paperwork section on the Lives in the Balance website. And the whole idea is for the people in the building to get together and discuss the lagging skills and unsolved problems of a particular student who they are interested in helping, perhaps better than they may be helping the student now. And one of the best two programs of our of last year with Anytown High School were programs number two and programs number three. Those are, by the way, also on the Lives in the Balance website in the listening library, where we talked about a student named T, pseudonym, of course, and we talked about her lagging skills, and we talked about her unsolved problems. And then the goal, of course, is to begin solving those problems collaboratively. But part number one is lenses. Why are challenging kids challenging? Uh, challenging kids are challenging because they're lacking the skills not to be challenging. When are they challenging? They're challenging in the conditions in which the skills they're lacking are being demanded by the environment. Those are called unsolved problems. What's the goal of intervention? Um, the goal of intervention is to solve those problems and to do it collaboratively, which brings us to part two of the model. Part two of the model is what, how do we go about solving problems collaboratively? Um, that's plan B. 
But there are three ways to solve a problem with a challenging kid. I call them plans A, B, and C. Plan A is when you're solving a problem unilaterally, typically through imposition of adult will, typically, if it's not going well especially, with adult-imposed consequences attached. And, uh, of course, that's the most common way in which we solve problems with challenging kids. The problem with that way of solving problems is that it tends to cause challenging behavior in challenging kids and doesn't teach them any of the skills they're lacking and doesn't solve any of their problems durably. Who gets more plan A than any other type of student in the building? The challenging ones. Plan B, you still with me? Hello? Did I lose you? We'll come back. No, I think we're fine. We still you still there? Hmm. I think our friends at Anytown High School are going to be calling back. In fact, I think I'll wait for them to call back since while I am talking about this for all of our listeners, I'm especially talking about it for our good friends at Anytown High School. So let's see if they call back quickly. Or if they're technological issues, here they are. We're back. Hello again. Are you there? Hi. We're back. Good. I'm going to keep going. Plan B is when you're solving a problem with a student collaboratively. And um, we'll talk about Plan B in a second. Plan C is also crucial, though many people don't understand it very well. Plan C is when you're dropping a particular unsolved problem, and in fact probably numerous of them, not as an act of giving in, but as an act of prioritizing. What happens when we identify the unsolved problems of a particular student is we find that there are quite a few of them. And one of the reasons those unsolved problems have remained unsolved over the years is because we've been trying to solve them all at once, a little, you know, one at a time on a particular day, but never really getting any of them solved. The goal is to actually work on two or three of them while tabling the rest. And so far from being the giving in plan, plan C is where we are prioritizing and getting rid of some unsolved problems for now so as to make sure that we and the student are available to work on the unsolved problems that remain. That's plan C. Now, here's one very crucial point. The preference is to do all of this proactively. If there is a key word that makes or breaks collaborative problem solving, it's the word proactive. What we want to do before we really start trying to solve problems with a student who we know has quite a few unsolved problems is to have that meeting with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems as our discussion guide, pin down lagging skills, identify highly specific unsolved problems, and decide which unsolved problems we're working on right now and which we're not. The ones we're working on right now we're actually going to designate certain people, certain staff, 
to try to solve that problem collaboratively with the student um, at some time during the week. One of the nice things about delegating or designating somebody to solve the problem with the student is that it helps us follow up with the staff member who was going to be solving the problem with the student so we can find out how it went and make sure that this problem doesn't get lost in the shuffle but rather remains alive until it's durably solved. And so the buzzword here is truly proactive. We are organizing the effort and meeting with the student proactively. We don't want to wait until the heat of the moment to try to solve the problem. We want to know which problems we're solving and which ones we're not, and we want to do the problem solving proactively. All right, very quickly, and we can, of course, spend a great deal of time on this in our future sessions, but very quickly, there are three steps for doing Plan B. The empathy step, the define the problem step, and the invitation step. In the empathy step, we are gathering information from the student so as to understand his concern or perspective on the unsolved problem we're talking with him about right now, one of our high-priority unsolved problems. Students have legitimate concerns. Students have things that have been getting in the way of them doing well. We need to know what those concerns are, and we need to make sure those concerns get addressed. If we don't know what those concerns are, and if we don't make sure they get addressed, this unsolved problem will remain unsolved. One of the reasons the unsolved problems of challenging kids remain unsolved is because we never figured out what those unsolved problems were. Another reason, we never actually sat down with the student to figure out what was getting in his way, which means we didn't understand his concern or perspective and his concerns didn't get addressed. The empathy step is crucial. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, doesn't sound like empathy is the main part of the empathy step. That's probably true. Information gathering and understanding is the main part of the empathy step. And yet, we don't want to abandon empathy totally. One of the questions we need to be asking ourselves much more, not just in schools, but everywhere we might be dealing with challenging kids, is what does it feel like to be this kid? And that's empathy. What does it feel like to be getting in trouble a lot? What does it feel like to be failing your classes? What does it feel like to be getting thrown out of your classes? What does it feel like to feel like people aren't going to understand? What does it feel like to feel like there really isn't any hope because nothing has worked so far? What does it feel like to be this student empathy is still alive and well. In the define the problem step, this is where the adult is getting their concern or perspective entered into consideration. Adults have important concerns as well. That's why we're talking about this unsolved problem. We need to make sure that the adult's concern gets on the table. We need to make sure that the adult's concern gets addressed. If the adult's concern remains unaddressed, this unsolved problem will still remain unsolved. Finally, the invitation. What we're doing in the invitation is we are brainstorming solutions so as to come up with one 
that will address the concerns of both parties, that we put all that energy into making sure was entered into consideration in those first two ingredients of Plan B. One of the reasons, another of the reasons, the unsolved problems of challenging kids remain unsolved is because the solutions we came up with didn't address their concerns. And we may not even have known what their concerns were in the first place. That's what we're going to be spending most of our time talking about as we make our way through our work this year. I'm looking forward to it, but now let's go back to the question that we had. Or any questions about anything that I just covered? No. <clears throat> let's, let's get a repeat on the question that we had earlier because um, I think we decided that we were going to cover what we just covered before we went back to that question. The question I originally stated was that I'm getting used to doing the plan B individually with a student one-on-one, -on -one, but how do I pass that over into our team group meetings when we meet with students? Well, and the way that practically works out is there's got to be some communication between you and your teammates, not only communication about the particular student and his lagging skills and the particular student and his unsolved problems and which unsolved problems we're going to be working on right now and who's going to be working on them with him, but there also needs to be communication between the person who's trying to solve a particular problem with the student and the other members of the team, especially if those other members of the team uh, need to be aware of what the solution is. If the solution in social studies has no bearing whatsoever on science or language arts or Spanish or whatever, um, then communication isn't necessarily quite so crucial, but I would still say pretty crucial, just so everybody on the team is aware of what's being done with a particular student. But if an unsolved problem cuts across multiple classes, then not only are we deciding who's um, going to be having the conversation with the child, but also deciding who makes the most sense to have the Plan B discussion uh, with the child. Um, and it may not be the teacher in the beginning may not be the person in the beginning, who the child is having the problem with. It might be somebody who the child, the student, has a good relationship with, the person the child is most likely to talk to early on. Um, but these are all decisions and communications that take place, presumably in periodic meetings that take place among members of the same team, where they are talking about students who they're concerned about and troubles they're having with the student so as to organize the effort and to make sure the left hand doesn't know what the right, make sure the left hand does know what the right hand is doing does that answer the question or do you want to add more to the question no i think that pretty much answers it for now good any other questions we've got about 90 seconds left in the program means only 60 seconds because, of course, I have to do the music at the end of the program. Any other questions 
before we call it a day for Anytown High School and meet again in a few weeks. No, no. You guys good for today? I think you so. Know, you know how to reach me in between, and of course you all reach in between is the same option as anybody else me, uh, reaching me in between. Just go to the Lies in the Balance website, go to the contact form, and ask any questions that you might have in between. I try to get to all of them, time permitting. Sometimes I answer them on this program. Thanks, Anytown. I'm looking forward to working with you all this year. And thanks to all the rest of you for listening in today. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Collaborative Problem Solving at School. Talk to you then.